0: I just
1: can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill.
0: You stay in Wonderland. I am making love in
1: You Do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are ready to dive in to yet another film and give our views on it, have a nice discussion and of course go off on some lovely, lovely tangents and I am once again joined by the film lover himself, the man that's got words that will go into your ears and you'll love them all. It is of course Callum. Hello Callum, how are you doing today?
0: Good morning. Again, another morning uh, recording. I like these. I was this is off. a new
1: thing for us, isn't it? This it is, is a new thing. We're starting to record them earlier in the morning now while we feel even more enthused for film and give a bit more energy to the voice as well. So, yeah, I'm liking it as well. You're right there. I,
0: I mean, I don't... My, my voice never seems to sort of change in pitch. It's just a constant <laughs> sort of drone. So whether the listeners will actually um, see a change in my... Uh, in my voice but you never know you never know um well this is why this bit of
1: context is good for them you know even if they don't get the enthusiasm through your voice they can at least picture you with a a sort of smile on your face as you're delivering it
0: exactly exactly I'm always smiling um I'm good I'm I'm, I'm good yeah the um the the sun's out which is it's getting lighter which is nice um opening act of spring as it were um yeah, it's, life is good at the moment.
1: Fantastic. I'm glad. I'm glad. And we have gone... For our new strategy, um, which we've developed recently in the film watching, of trying to bounce between heavy films and films that are a bit lighter, we realised when we watched Colder recently, it was good to have a bit of light relief in the mix. So that was our thinking in watching this film. But as we'll realise as we discuss it, and as I was watching it, was the film wasn't as light as I thought it was going to be. We were lured in by the musical element of it. Which, you know, it does give you that lightness, but there's still definitely a heaviness to this film. But we'll discuss this as we go into it. And as, as we have been doing recently, we've been um, watching a few Oscar-nominated films. It was the BAFTAs over the course of the last week. I don't know if you saw any of that, Callum. Of, uh, I did. Was. Colder I did. Uh, got a few, didn't it? Um, the lead actor got uh, BAFTA for that. Um, what was the what was the best film? Way of the Dog? That Power
0: Power of the Dog. Power, Power of the of, Power of the Dog, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch, sorry. And
1: we've not watched that, so maybe we'll have to get to that if um, the BAFTAs think it was good.
0: Well if you know, if if the Baftas say it's good then it must be, right? Um. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So that has been quite interesting to check
1: out what's been going going on there in the last week. But Oscars coming up soon. Uh, We have watched a couple of Oscar nominated films on the podcast recently. But here's another one. And um, of course, Callum is going to give you a little overview of it. But it was released last year. Tick, tick, boom, a musical. A little bit of a change of pace for us, but Callum, what was it all about? Could you enlighten it, us, please?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a change of pace, wasn't it? In the sense that we've never really sort of reviewed a, a musical drama before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, it was a biographical uh, music musical about uh, the late Jonathan Larson, who um, wrote uh, Rent. Um, he was a playwright in, well, musical theatre um Stage writer, I guess, um, in the ni- late '80s, early '90s, and it follows his um, story basically. Um, Andrew Garfield plays Jonathan Larson, um, and it's shot from the perspective of him trying to write a musical. Um, the way it sort of, the way the film is stitched together, is uh, really interesting because it shows his journey through the process of writing. Um, and at the back of his mind, it's this idea that he's um, he's nearly 30 and he hasn't managed to get a musical on Broadway yet. He hasn't managed to get a musical um, out there uh, because his, his idol, Stephen Sondheim, um, who wrote West Side Story in the 50s, um, can't he, he he'd already got his first musical uh, when he was 27 so jonathan's having a bit of a crisis really a crisis of age um as he's uh tried desperately trying to get his uh his musical um out there as the film moves on uh progresses it um basically shoots shots between him working in a uh, diner trying to um cobble together money wherever he can um that's what he does during the day, and then at night he's constantly writing, constantly trying to think of new songs. Um, uh, His producer um, is desperate for him to write a new song, and he goes through all these sort of writer's blocks, again, trying to sort of, like, emphasise that idea of the struggle of writing. Um, So whilst he's juggling his work um, at uh, the Moondance Diner um, in, in New York, he writes a song called Superbia um, and that was the sort of... or a, a musical called Superbia and that was the kind of... that was his creative zenith almost. Um, he really thinks it's he's, he's saying something profound about the world. Um, he pitches it to a group of uh, producers. Um, they don't like it um, because it's a little bit too highbrow um, for them and the, the feedback is that he should write about something that he knows. Um, but of course... That's exactly what he knows about because he's been doing that for, for years, basically, writing, writing, and struggling to write um, and serving people in diners around New York City. Um, I mean,. The right. Jonathan Larson is famous for writing uh, musicals and commentaries about social and political issues, um, particularly LGBT issues as well. Um, so the film sort of delves into some of that those those issues a little bit, um, with a light D, should I say? Yeah, doesn't necessarily um, deal with them in much depth, um, but it talks about. But it's basically about his story, really about writing, being a composer of musical theatre. Um, in NYC in the 90s. It's a biopic about Larson, really, in musical form.
1: Thank you very much, Callum. As always, a lovely overview there. So I'm going to go straight in with my initial thoughts and reaction, is that, as we said, a proper change of pace for us is that we've never really uh well we haven 't done a musical the closest we got, and I think this is why we did edge towards this was reviewing Colder a few episodes back because I think Colder got as close to being a musical as you can be without being a musical like there was a lot of musical performance pieces in it, but it definitely wasn 't a musical, and we absolutely adored that film um so this in a similar bracket, thinking it would take us in that direction. So yeah, absolutely change of pace. And I'm not necessarily an out and out musical person. I've watched a few and enjoyed them in the past, but it's never what I'm straight away drawn to because as we've discussed before, is that it's a very specific genre musical theatre, isn't it? And the style of music as well. And as two people who are both very much into our music, it's not necessarily a style of music that touches upon what our interests are. But to say that, I got a lot from this film. Firstly, just the musical pieces I was very much captivated by. I loved it. I thought that the musical theatre style combined with something that is a little bit more real-worldy and not fantasy, I think, worked for me. Because a lot of musical is quite fantasy and dreamlike and Mm. romanticised. Whereas this was using musical theatre, as you say, to do more of a social commentary. Which was basically the underpinned pieces as they were showing his musicals, which I really enjoyed. So just straight away on a very basic level, I did get a lot from that. But secondly, and I think this was the biggest strength of the film and what I loved most about it, was the structure of the film. So as you say, it was a uh, biopic and it's not clear right at the beginning exactly what story it's telling and how it's telling it because it eases into the film by showing what goes on to be a lot of these clips, but him performing the musical Tick, Tick, Boom, which was the second musical that he actually wrote. But in the context of the film Tick, Tick, Boom, it just seems like, oh, here's the opening gambit of the film and he's performing a musical but as it goes on and it starts cutting between you then realize that and there's a there's a tipping point when you then kind of realize like all right this is his second musical which he then wrote when he was told as you say to write about something you know and this first one he was writing it follows the story of that in a more narrative style but then it dips in between the musical because the musical gives the narration of him writing his first musical. So I love how they've used the structure of the musical to then create the narrative of the film, which I think is great. It's very clever. And I imagine quite tricky to do because you are taking a musical and not just turning it into a film. You are using that musical as a platform for a wider film that's not necessarily just out and out in the musical theatre style. Um which I think is fantastic and I think it's executed really well. Yes, in the way of musical theatre, it's light in some ways. And as you say at the beginning, Callum, in the overview, it goes into some deeper issues, but it doesn't necessarily go too deeply into them. But I think, firstly, you've got to remember, written in the 90s, so not necessarily as progressive as the conversation in those areas might be now. And also... I'll give it a bit of slack for being musical theatre and accepting that, for commercial reasons, they might not go as deep into that. So I think it really hit the the mark with what it did. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed the musical element of it, and because it was unsuspecting for me enjoying that, I was pleasantly surprised. Callum, what, what was your initial thoughts and reaction to it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked... I mean... I liked the sort of the way it had been stitched together, like it, the the tapestry of, of the sort of the sound stitching, as it were. Um, ooh, that sounds yeah. good, doesn't it? The tapestry of the sound. That stitching. does. Ooh, Maybe yeah. that can be your new sonic literacy now. Sonic literacy, yeah, indeed, yeah. But <laughs> um, I, mean, I kind of liked the way that the movie had been sort of stitched together, in the sense that, like, it, the the purpose of like musical theatre in this instance is to sort of tell the story of his life. Like, you can. Gain an understanding or gain a complexity and a nuance about his life from the uh, music, basically, um, and that's contained within the lyrics of the music. Um, yeah, it's. I kind of like. I liked the premise and I liked the idea of that. Um, this idea of like you're losing your youth. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite pertinent, I guess. Um, I kind of like what you said as well about how I really thought of it in this way, in terms of like musicals being this sort of like dreamlike type of thing. Um, and I guess this is this. I I would argue this is quite dreamy not necessarily in the conventional sense of the word um, or how we've seen it performed in other styles of musicals Um, you know but it is quite dreamy it is a kind of like classic American story in the sense of this rags to riches type thing Um, American dream except the difference with this one is that Larson never got to experience his dream because he died before his first musical could be that he well, on on broadway could be could be seen he never actually saw it um never saw the sort of fruits of his labor i guess um but the 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 overarching idea of the movie is that sort of rags to riches american dream aspects and the way it's stitched together is interesting i mean for me i don't not necessarily i don't know if it's a um a fair critique I just I don't particularly like um, this style of music um, so for me sure. it, it it just kind of there were moments where it just kind of grated on me a little bit um, okay. just because of like the it is very like up and bouncy and kind of formulaic in terms of its sort of structures I guess because that's the nature of the genre that's the nature of the of the of the 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 the, the film, I guess. Um, but the themes that it brings out in terms of like sort of time and loss of youth and age, I, I like that aspect of it. And I, there's there's a couple of tunes that I, that I did enjoy. I mean, the first tune is quite cool. Um, when he's talking about um, uh, it's 1990 and I'm nearly 30 and I'm running out of time to achieve my dream, you know, there's sort of a crisis of of age, there a crisis of meaning. Um, I kind of liked that 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 idea of it, and the the tune when he's in the diner and he's taking the the mick out of people that brunch. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that's funny. Um, but I mean beyond that, it was just kind of Garfield's performance. By the way, is amazing. That's what I did like about it. His performance is absolutely yeah, outstanding. he's fantastic. He is. Yeah, he's really really good. Um, I just it reminded me a lot of like sort of that high school musical sort of mm-hmm. it's in, it's it's in that kind of camp with a more serious undertone i did feel at times that it raised issues it brought issues to the audience but it never really rent, went anywhere with them and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later down the line that in the in the episode but um the the the, the purpose of the movie was that it was to show Larson's struggling journey as a writer in nyc um but then it brings out all, all sorts of other problems like the issue with the american musical culture the issue with the art industry um it even sort of speaks about the aids the aids um uh crisis in the in the late 80s early 90s with his friend reveals that he's got aids because Uh, Larson is saying I'm running out of time and like you think you're running out of time what about me I've got AIDS and that's the first time you hear about his friend um, having AIDS and it just comes back to that later down the line because he talks about his friendship how they used to sit on the end of a pier until 3am in the morning just talking about their dreams and talking about life there are some really really tender moments within the movie Um, but it just doesn't really take it any further I think it could have explored those issues a little bit further, um, given the fact that they were quite integral issues that were happening at the time that were impacting a lot of people within the industry that and that Jonathan Larson is in. So I just feel like it could have done a little bit more with that. Um, but I mean, yeah, the th- thematically, um, and the way the movie's put together, I did enjoy it in that respect. But I did just think the... It, the, the music was just a little bit too grating for me.
1: Sure, sure. And I get that. I do get that. I think what won me over in that and why I did like it was a lot of the performances of the songs, firstly within the the context of them performing in the musical Tick Tick Boom, but also when they are doing the rehearsals and kind of delivering the, the showcase of his first musical, are done more within this band stripped back setting. It's not delivered as a musical that much. The only times it's really delivered as a musical are where the songs are within the context of the actual time and setting that he's telling the story about. So, for example, um, the opening one where he's at the party and the one where he's singing to his girlfriend. Um, I get what you mean with that. And also there are limitations to how much you can then explore the themes when so much of the time within the film has to be taken up by songs. That yeah. inevitably restricts how deep you're going to go into a topic because you've got X amount of the time of the film cut out already for a song. And I'm not saying that you can't explore the themes in the song. Of course you can, and they do. But that obviously limits the uh, the depth of some of the conversation and stuff like that. But as I said what I enjoyed about it was the performances of the songs in a more stripped back way because I think that then allowed the the topics, the themes to come through a lot better. And I think the pinnacle song for me is the one at the end in Tick Tick Boom. Um where I think it's called Actions Speak Louder Than Words and the line in the chorus where he goes, um, Cages are wings, which do you prefer? Ask the birds. And that's That's good. That's yeah. the kind of Accumulation of the idea that gets explored in the film about him pursuing the art or um, allowing himself to commit to more real life mundanity to earn money, and that's played out in one of the songs and that relationship he has with his friend, who goes on to develop AIDS, who works at the advertising agency, and he is has having a go at him, saying like, "Why have you sold out? You were a great performer." Um, you should have pursued the artistic way like this is wrong and that's the kind of ongoing battle and one of the big themes of the, song, of the film and I like that song at the end for really exploring I think it hits the nail on the head with it but let's pick up on the theme that you mentioned just then and I think this is probably the main theme that overrides the whole film is this idea of youth and time ticking away the big metaphor of the film is the tick-tick boom, the ticking clock leading towards something which is going to explode or there's a, a finality to it. So I think the first bit and that that really struck me is, okay, it's very pertinent for, people, for two guys of our age who are approaching turning 30. I think that was what struck me th- first, the film that's exploring this idea of, okay, turning 30 and had lots of artistic ambition, And throughout your 20s, you pursue the artistic ambition with a kind of soft focus in the back of the mind that it will lead to a kind of crowning event. But what he's realizing in this film is that that's not necessarily what his artistic endeavor is and what artistic endeavor is anyway. There's not a specific crowning moment. And the age of 30 is put there as this key milestone And he feels himself ticking towards it, and it's then this exploration of whether this is just an arbitrary milestone, or whether it is something that he should say, no, enough's enough, and he has the conclusion at the end of the film that no, it is arbitrary, and um what's the line i'm going to spend my time doing this and that's what he gets from his relationship with his friend who tells him that he's got aids and it seems so trivial his arbitrary milestone of his time ticking away when he knows his friend's life is actually ticking away and i like the exploration in the film because it's something i think everyone thinks about in life but again we like films that are very relevant to us so that kind of got me thinking on that front but we do put arbitrary milestones on our lives and put and feel pressure to achieve very set things before we get to an age whereas like in the film you realize that well nothing changes when i hit 30 i think it's the character played by vanessa hudgens that says well 30 is still young she says it in a very kind of pass- uh, passive way and it's not a big comment but what is being said in the grander terms of the film is like it doesn't really make a difference you've put a very set aim on your artistic endeavor but the point is it's artistic endeavor it's not the corporate creative advertising industry that you're trying to avoid that's what has a set delivery you're just pursuing something that's a lifelong pursuit to try and bring joy and meaning to both yourself and other people And I like how the film explores that. And I love the conclusion it comes to at the end, even in sometimes a bit of a contrived and cheesy way, like you say, but I think that's the nature of a musical and it allows you to look at it from a different perspective, is that it looks at this idea of time, the concept of youth, whatever that may be. And we spoke about this in Licorice Pizza as well, an alternative coming of age. But I like how it gives that perspective and ultimately comes to the conclusion that Arbitrary milestones in our lives are ridiculous. It's more about the meaning that we give to ourselves and others as life develops. So that was my first kind of reaction to that. Yeah. Like, do you de- want to give any more to what you were saying before about the idea of youth and, and time in the film?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I um, it's like what we were saying, what you were saying off mic. It's like you know this in- inevitability of time. Like what happens at the end once you've achieved your sort of. Um, self-given target of life, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what happens at the end of that? Um, and, I mean, I think it's more... I think it's more making a statement about how, like, you know, artistic endeavour, like, particularly when you're... I mean, the reason why time is such a huge importance, is such a huge theme in this particular movie, is because um, he's he's poor. Like, he's trying to um, produce a movie not a movie sorry he's trying to produce a, a piece of music or a music a, musical theater quickly and so he can actually get it out there and start making some money from it um but he's also trying to kind of keep it true to his roots his own sort of artistic vision i mean i guess another re- yeah i mean that idea of the way it's structured in terms of time i mean i like that idea of like he needs to get the movie. He needs to get. He's saying movie. Blimey, he needs to get the musical theatre. You got this, Colin. <laughs> I got movies on the brain. Uh He needs to get the musical theatre out there quickly so he can start making some money from it. Because there's that scene when he gets yeah. um his power is cut off, for example. I mean, but even uh, then, yeah. even then, like the way that because of because this is another reason why I kind of didn't necessarily um like the movie that much is because the way it deals with that is just. Uh, it is it is quite sort of like, uh, Disney-fied is a little bit too f- extreme, but it's this idea of uh, I'm a struggling writer in New York City trying to make a musical. And it's like, there's an element of comedy associated with that within those scenes, like particularly when he's like writing and he's, he's, he just looks quite, he's quite a comical figure. He's like, what am I going to do? Oh my God. And then it breaks into um, song and dance about this, like... Um, mm. I don't know. There was just a bit. The, the tone in some of those scenes was a little bit off. But the idea of time, I think, is really is an integral part of the movie. In that respect, because it's this idea that, well, if I haven't achieved this by a particular point, I'm in mean, somehow a failure. And actually, as you rightly say, as he moves through his creative process, he's trying to give meaning to his work. Um, there's that sort of like scene with his him and his friend, and he says to his friend that. Um, you've chosen the corporate world with the big house and the car and the you know the the secure income and the 401k um and like i'm i'm putting art into the world i'm doing something um i'm doing something useful to the world um and that that's that, that conflict of time in that scene is quite, interesting, quite quite interesting because his friend is like well so what like i tried the art world time was against me and it still is so therefore, why? What? Why should I apologize for that? Um, and then he's he he's so obsessed. So well, he's so sort of convinced of his own self importance in what he's doing with his art that um, he pursues it regardless. Um, that yeah. scene reminds me. But his friend me,
1: definitely helps ground him, doesn't he? Because yeah, even though yeah. he still continues on the same path in the sense of writing the music with that scene there, that conversation where he says, I'm putting art into the world, what you're doing is like, he brings him back from the extreme. And even though his friend tells him, you still need to do this. This is what you should do. He almost does it for different reasons in the end, because like I said, the reason he's doing it at the beginning is to get a successful musical and be a famous writer. Whereas, and and like I said, it's quite pretentious what he's saying there, but his friend basically goes, you've got a gift to share, this isn't something that you should just be doing now to get a big musical before you're thirty. it's something you should be doing to give to the world and keep going, and that's when he almost has the switch, doesn't he, where he goes and asks him for a job and he he wants to give it all up, but his friend's like, no, I'm the one running out of time, you've got this incredible gift, don't, put it out there just because you feel like you've got to achieve this set thing, just do it and go at it because it's too beautiful not to share with the world. And I like how the that, that character grounds him in that sense.
0: Exactly. And also I mean, when they were having that scene and they're talking about that time, um, it reminded, and then purpose and meaning with what you do with your life. It reminded me of um, that scene from Mad Men. Um, when... Uh, Don Draper goes to visit a bunch of artists living in Greenwich Village, uh, writers, musicians, poets, um and they're having a go at him for working in the advertising industry. And they say that the exact same conversation takes place. Um, we're doing something useful, you're not, basically. Artists and poets Wonderful lands of wizards and poets, as Stuart Lee would say. <laughs> um, you know, we're doing something useful. You're doing... You're not, basically. Um, and then Don replies to that and says, um, well, I'll stop... I'll stop producing things when you... I'll stop advertising things when you stop buying them. Um, and it just... that like, It just got me thinking about when they're when they're having that conflict of time, like... They both, they but they both feel that they, but they're both important to each other, um, mm-hmm. and that that's 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 what I think. That that conflict, I think, grounds um the movie, like you say.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and like I, said, I do like that relationship between the two, and even though it's a subtle change, I think it's an important moment in the film because it's going from. This and I think it takes it away. I know what you were saying before about it kind of almost romanticizing the idea of a struggling writer in New York City, but I think that grounding takes it away from that because it could have that full Disney element of, oh, look, he struggled as a writer, but then he succeeded um, at the end, and like the glorious artist uh, won out. But it's not that at the end, the success isn't that because. his friend challenges on challenges him on this idea of him just being an artist that's adding beauty to the world and nothing else matters he's he brings him down and makes him realize that he needs to come back down to the ground and yes be that beautiful artist that's putting beautiful things into the world but for more meaningful reasons to give other people hope and joy not for his own success and and glory which I think changes the the tone and the, the meaning of the film a little bit at the end and takes away that kind of American dream element bit that you said to and makes it a little bit more grounded and I think wholesome that's kind of that's what I think it takes the edge off but before we get to the ending Callum I know you mentioned earlier about the film not going into bigger issues as deeply as you thought and the biggest uh, issue that it really goes into his aid. So two of his friends, the guy that he works with and then also his childhood friend, the character we were just talking about, develop it. What what do you think that the film lacks in that respect in terms of dealing with that topic and any other bigger ones?
0: Well I just think that like um you know that the that 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 is brought to the surface in the movie when um Jonathan Larson is complaining about how he has no time left um, and how he has um, no um, vi- like he's losing his vision he has no time he's running out of time because he's approaching 30 it's quite a sort of um, in his world that's everything but in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things that he just lacks perspective and and then they but they they use that his friend having AIDS to emphasise that. So, like, he's moaning about how he has no time left, and then his friend responds to that and says, you think you have no time left? Basically, get some perspective. I've got AIDS. I've known for a while. And then that stops Larson in his tracks, and then he responds by saying, oh, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Mm -hmm. And there's an element of, I think he's, I I don't know whether he's upset that his friend has AIDS or whether he's upset that he hasn't been told that his friend has got AIDS. 't there's a different and then it just doesn't okay. go anywhere else okay. with that it just that it just leaves it there um and I just think it could have it just could have made a little bit more of that because if we're this film's talking about time and amplifying voices um then it could have gone into a little bit more had more of a conversation with that with his friend about that idea of of of, of time i think because we only ever see the um complications of 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 coming of age or complications of losing your youth, in the context of Larson writing his musical, and then to put that into perspective by comparing it to someone who's literally going to die, um, is I don't know I just thought it was a little bit um it 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 lacked any sort of critical faculty in that respect. I mean, ultimately Larson does die really sadly, um, that that is sad obviously, but. The way his struggle is contextualized, and the the way they struggle is given perspective in this instance is through comparing it to his friend's aid struggle. I just thought it was a little bit cheap is the wrong word, but I just think it could have been it it could have been delved into a lot more, and I think you could have emphasized if if you were going to go down that route to sort of contextualize and put Larson's struggle into perspective, um, comparing it to the aids crisis probably wasn't necessarily the best thing to do unless you were going to explore that as well you know um because i mean the the only, it does lean towards that when he's talking about his friendship um at the end with him because he talks about how he sits on the um the the end of a pier talking to his talking about, oh we used to sit on the pier when we were really young and talk about our dreams talk about art until 3 4 a.m. in the morning um, he talks about that at the, towards the end of the movie. Um, but I think more could have been done with that to emphasise that idea of time. If you're going to compare it to to the AIDS epidemic, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yes,
1: no, I get you. I do get you, and I completely see what you mean in terms of you bringing up a very big issue there, and maybe using it more as a plot point and a, a theme rather than really addressing it. But. What I think is that, and again, what I like about this film is that it makes it very clear that it's set in the 90s and this is why I think the structure is very clever but complex and they've done well to make it work. So you are using the words and the writings of someone from the 90s within that industry. So like the the win which is sold is that that industry doesn't talk about that issue or issues related to it and also very tricky to talk about issues like that and actually get any exposure and ears on it. So what the film is actually showing is that, look, here was a writer in the 90s who took some steps to actually make these issues, um, things that were talked about in the public domain in mainstream um, musicals and areas like that, and then why I do think that the film works is because what the trap it could have fallen into, and my, many people might think that it should go in this direction, but I think it was a win of the film, is that it could have been a a 2021 version of this where we put our lens of 2021 on the writings of the 90s and may, and skew it slightly to be more towards... Our perspective and what we think of the norm of discussing these issues, and maybe make it seem like that musical in the 90s was even more in line with our discussion points now. And I think that would then make that film more of the time now, and obviously the discussion would be more advanced than it's depicted in the film. But I think the very point is, and is almost its historical accuracy in saying. What we're doing is we're showing how this man within a certain era was able to produce something artistic and beautiful but raise some issues which were tricky to talk about at the time. Let's not put our lens on it and imagine what he would; those discussions would have been like right now. Let's look at it and admire both the artistry and the boldness of what he did as and steer into that biopic nature of it rather than it being a social commentary from our perspective now. And that's what I think was the strength of it. And I totally get what you mean. I think like, the 2022 view of it would be to make it in the way where it digs deeper into that. But I don't think that's what it's about. It's more about looking at what happened in that context and looking at the the positives of that scenario that happened rather than how can we dig into that actual issue from our perspective yeah I mean, so
0: absolutely no I agree so it's a it's a it's a fair point for sure um, yeah i think i I didn't think of it in those in necessarily in those terms in in the sense that you know the conversation and the debate in the 1990s would not have been as advanced as it is now about that issue. I I get that. Um, Like, it's an interesting sort of um, cultural, artistic debate to sort of have, isn't it? Um, This idea of... Yeah, definitely. You know, what what do you... What do you want the purpose of of art to do? Or what do you want the purpose of this particular movie to do? You know, Mm. it's about Larson's life. I mean... I guess he he, he does he, he did do musicals about sort of social political and LGBT issues though. Um, I don't I'd have to read a little bit more about him in terms of like did he actually um, have a, a stake in the in the in the AIDS campaign? I don't know. I have to I'd have to do some reading about that. Um, so yeah I, I agree that can be some
1: fur- further bonus research on top of that but i
0: further think no that was, was a good yeah, discussion
1: yeah. on that and um i think that's what's fascinated me about this film a lot of it's been about the technicality of the the filmmaking process and what that means both visually in terms of how the film is made but how it both restricts and frees you in discussing certain themes and topics uh, but I think we're going to have to wrap up here, Callum. We have yeah, had a let's... very good, healthy discussion there, but let's take this to our usual closing statements. I'll lead us in, and then you can take us through to the end. As I said at the beginning, didn't necessarily expect that I would be really drawn to it due to it being musical theatre, but I really did like the songs. I liked the music. I said it was a stripped-back way, but also it was a musical element that was grounded a bit more in reality I loved the structure of the film, how complex and ambitious it was in the way the film was actually put together, but I think it really nailed it. That was great work, like from the filmmakers involved. And also, um, I just found it captivating in the idea and discussion of time and the what I said before about the arbitrary nature of life milestones. I think that's something on a broader topic a lot of people can take from. Um, and it definitely taps into the, the other issue it goes into of uh, the arts versus the more corporate world and being dragged in different directions. Because um, there's, there's a line in one of the songs where it goes, oh, what do you need to do to wake up a nation? There's just a lot of really good lines in the in the songs um, that really stand out to me and resonated. So yeah, I connected with it a lot more than expected. Really enjoyed it. I can now see why it was nominated for the Oscar. So I'm going nine out of ten. Callum, take it away.
0: Um, I did like the way the movie was put together, like the tapestry of it was quite interesting. Like that sort of you were learning about his life. He was presenting his life to the audience through his music, um, which is exactly mm-hmm. what musical theatre does. It presents a story about a character or an issue to you in song, and the way it was presented, I thought was quite cool. Um, some of the issues that it talks about is interesting, like the idea of time the inevitability of time the you know the you know what happens at the end once you've achieved your goal the idea of sort of dream like american dream aspect there was a few good tunes in it as well that first tune's cracking um and the one about taking the mick out of people at brunch um i will probably get brunch after this for all my uh, <laughs> uh, obviously um but i just think yeah i mean there was there was lots of good aspects of it and garfield's performance is great um i just I just don't think it's my sort of cup of tea in terms of like genre necessarily. I've never really liked musicals. Mm-hmm. Um just because I just I don't know I just I just don't particularly like the the music or the format of it generally speaking. Like I said there was a, cu- a couple of good tunes in this particular one, but as a, as a as a genre it isn't necessarily something that I would always go to. Um I think it could have made a little bit more like we said um just a little bit, delve just a little bit more into some of the complex social issues that it talks about. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it seven out of ten. Um, I'm not saying it's a you know, it's, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, it's not a bad movie. Um, acted, it's well acted, um, and structurally, it is it is, it is good, but um, it just, it just didn't really do it for me in the same way that Coda did. Um, because you I mean, I, yeah. yeah there are some very similar movies in that respect. But um, yeah, just didn't really, it didn't it didn't strike a chord with me as much as I thought it would.
1: Lovely musical term to end us there, Callum. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. very much for your thoughts and feelings. <laughs> and another great conversation, I thoroughly enjoyed that one as usual. And with the Oscars approaching, we're now very well researched on a lot of the films that are up for nomination so we'll have a special discussion on that once um everything gets announced and the gongs get handed out but that's us we're done Callum another great chat we'll be back again with another episode next week another film diving in of course keep listening keep telling all the film lovers to check us out and to keep watching great films as we will keep doing but Callum thank you for joining me once again Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again very soon for another episode of the Glace Film Club podcast. See you all later.